Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk AM 1150. A beautiful, sunny Seattle day. It's like spring today. I saw flowers out when I was working with my um, last client right before the show, a Norwegian elk hound. We were out on a walk at the end of our training session, and I actually saw flowers coming out of the ground. Quite a change from the weekend. I know. (laughs) I know, right? We had snow. That's right, yeah. (laughs) And today, obviously, as we like to say on the show here, it, a great day really, to take your dog for a walk. Really, it is. It is sunny and and relatively warm, not too hot. Love it. Um, I caught <clears throat> for some. I've had bad, kind of bad luck. I don't know if luck really has anything to do with it, but missing the Westminster Dog Show. You know, I'd find out about it historically after the fact, and this year I was able to watch it real time and um and it was fun and got to see they did the um it's over two nights and they awarded best in show last night which of course just gets me pumped up for the seattle kennel club dog show which is coming up in march here in seattle uh, march 8th and 9th at century link field event center lots going on for fans of westminster obviously we're not breaking any news here but who was the big winner Uh, what breed and if you remember the name um, oh, I don't remember the name of the dog, but uh, it was a wire fox terrier. Okay. Yep, nice looking dog. Um, I'm going to have to look that one up because I, I can't picture it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, the bloodhound, for some reason, the crowd was like going crazy over the bloodhound. It was it was uh, like the bloodhound had a 12th man there, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it was. I mean, not, you know, there. Of course, all the dogs got lots of cheers. There was a, a standard poodle. I feel like I don't know if it's just because of the movie Best in Show, but I feel like there's. It's like always the standard poodle that's in the mix. Um, there's a standard poodle, Portuguese water dog, um, and apparently God Corgi. loves a wire fox terrier. God loves a terrier. <laughs> <laughs> and just looking it up real quick, I yeah. see that uh, his name is Sky. Sky. That, that took the big win. This yeah, year. and one, the thing that I s- impressed me about him when the judge had all of the winners of group who are competing for best in show um, kind of do one final uh, little display, she had them sort of freestand. Um, and then so they just brought them out had the dogs stand themselves. And if you're not familiar with showing, it's called stacking, where they um, train the dogs to position their feet in a certain way that sort of displays their, I assume, their physique. Um, And uh, that terrier just looked like he was, he just owned it. He just like went up there and was just like, bam, bring it on. I mean, and he's a terrier too, so he has that attitude. But I don't know, the bloodhound was a crowd favorite for sure. People were going wild, but uh, he didn't win. Um, there's a little min pin, uh, corgi won the herding group, uh, Portuguese water dog. Oh, Irish water spaniel. Actually, uh, there were some local dogs. The the Irish water spaniel lives in Issaquah. All right. And, um, I think the Shiba Inu. Represent. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Represent the quah. That's right. Uh, there, there were a few, I, I, and there was a few handlers, too. There was one handler from the Pacific Northwest. And so we were definitely represented, which was cool. Um, so, yeah, so the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show, much more accessible for us here in the Pacific Northwest, um, is March 8th and 9th, um, all day, Saturday and Sunday. 
uh, starts at 8 a.m. And um, it's always daylight savings. I don't know if that's the case this week but or this year, uh, but it always ends up being daylight savings the week of the Seattle Dog Show. So we lose an hour. Um, but you get mu- more sunshine and more daylight. It's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. It makes for a longer weekend. But um, So there's demonstrations. It's such a fun event. It's probably one of my favorite events all year as far as dog industry stuff goes. And if you just love dogs, it's not an event you bring your dog to, but there's agility trials that go on all day. There's demonstrations. Um, I assume Miriam Rose will be doing a nose work demonstration again this year. Seattle uh, Police Department will be doing a demonstration with some of their canine um, officers. There's always the dog dancing, which is fun to watch. Um, lots of vendor booths, meet the breeds upstairs. And then, of course, the confirmation, which is um, the, you know, where you see them sort of trotting the dogs by breed around the rings and um, and doing that. And then they'll be they'll, they will award a best in show at the end of each um, each day. So that's March 8th and 9th. Mark your calendars. And if you do go, be sure to stop by. The Dog Show's booth. We've had a booth there every year that we've had the show. This will be our fifth year there. And uh, we give out free waters. So always very popular with our stickers on them. So be sure to come by the booth and say hi if you do end up going. Um, So there were, uh, at the end of this segment, or actually beginning in the second segment today, we're going to be talking with an author um, for the second segment and it's author of a local author of a children's book uh the chicken and the dog and so we'll be talking with her which came first (laughs) i Uh, guess we'll find out yeah i guess in this story i'm not sure who uh who comes first (laughs) um but it's a cute a cute story with great illustrations so we'll be talking um about that and uh just giving you a little info if you're looking for a cute children's book that's dog related I also have some dogs in the news, um, and really I, I look at, there's so many different places to look for dog news. Um, I like to look at Science Daily because they have really interesting articles with a bit of a scientific twist, which I find to be very interesting. Um, one about a fitness study that paired dogs with seniors. Um, there's a little article about dogs and um and actually how dogs swim and the doggy paddle. And um, let's see, one about... That tends to be the, the stroke that they choose most often is well, the, I the think, doggy paddle. I think it's pretty exclusively the doggy paddle <laughs> right. for dogs. Um, Aptly named. Yeah, exactly. And a couple other ones, too. So I'll be talking about those articles. And then um, in, when... So I... In addition to the radio show, I do in-home in Seattle and Eastside area, um, and I also do phone consultations, but uh, my area of expertise is dog training and behavior. And um, I've said this before on the show over the years, sometimes I have sort of themes. I'll be working with, you know, a, um, a handful of the dogs that I'm currently working with kind of all have similar challenges or there's kind of themes, and that's certainly the case um, right now. And so I'm going to um, give a little bit of insight into that as well. Um, so just lots, lots of different, different stuff going on. I did find, um, oh, before I get into, I did find an interesting, um, little fact sheet on Westminster, um, that I've, I, that I'm going to go through and I posted, 
or I'm going to post a link to this on our website. I'll post links to all the articles that I mentioned today on our website, which is dogradioshow.com. I've also posted a couple of the links already on our Facebook page. So if you are a fan of The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Facebook, then you already have access to some of those. And you can also follow me on Twitter as well, um, at I am Julie Forbes is the handle there. Um, but before that, I just wanted to mention one of our partners, The Natural Pet Pantry, makes um, locally made raw and cooked diets for dogs and cats. They have a new location, a storefront, another storefront. They have one in Burien, which is South Seattle. And they have an east side location that's opening up soon in Kirkland. Um, and I'll be keeping you posted. And we'll have uh, Randy on the show, one of the owners, um, to talk more about that. It's really exciting. It's going to be um, certainly offering um, their their fine line of uh, pet foods for dogs and cats, frozen, fresh foods, um, just such a high quality food. They do such a nice job. And there's also going to be a lot of other resources for the community out of this location. Um, they're going to do seminars, talks. They're going to have practitioners working out of there and available to people um, and really a focus on sort of holistic, complementary approaches to health. Um, so it's really exciting. Um, great idea. And I'm looking forward to that continuing to take form so that we can uh, keep you educated about that. And I'm sure that I'll be doing some talks out of that location, too. So we'll keep you posted on that. Okay. Westminster. <clears throat> it was interesting because this is the uh, 138th year that Westminster has been on, and it's um, the second longest running sporting event in U.S. history. After, can you guess what the first longest running sporting event in U.S. history is? Uh, could it be the World Series? Kentucky Derby. Kentucky Derby. That was my second guess. Yeah. Even before the World Series. And I, Series. I assume you're addressing me when you ask the question. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, so it predates Thomas Edison's first patent for improvement in electrical lights. Hmm. It also predates the invention of basketball and the establishment of the World Series. So um, just some kind of interesting facts about some of the breeds that have won and all sorts of um, interesting stuff there. Um, it's the, like I said, second longest running sporting event in U.S. history after the Kentucky Derby. The best in show winner is declared America's dog for one year following the show. Um, yeah, see, it, it seems odd to me to call it a, a sporting uh, event, you know, just I know the dogs are active, but it's almost more like a, a beauty pageant than it is really a sporting event. I mean, it is. It's a competition. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But sporting event? Yeah. Are the people even working up a sweat when they're walking the dogs around? I don't I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it is an actually interesting point that they do refer to it as a sporting event. Um I don't know, it's a good point. Kind of curious. And I think maybe that's because it's so old. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. the term sport yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean like yeah. I guess sport could be anything that oh, people know. get together and have fun with. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good point, Eric. I hadn't thought of that. Plus, a lot of dogs are named sport, so maybe well, there there's is something the, to that. <laughs> I mean, there's the sporting group and yeah. the non-sporting group. That's right. Yeah. Come on, sport. Anyway. We're going to the event. <laughs> sporting event. Uh, six dogs have won Westminster twice in a row. 
So uh, the smooth fox terrier, the wire fox terrier, uh, black cocker spaniel, a Doberman pincher, and an English springer spaniel. Those are the six dogs that have won Westminster twice in a row. Not a very common occurrence. Um, There's seven groups that compete, and this is true for other shows. This is true for the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show as well. There's the sporting group, the hound group, and as we know, there's two categories of hound, sort of subcategories, scent and sight. Working group, terrier group, toy group, non-sporting group, and herding group. Uh, The Scottish Terrier has won eight times, making it the third winningest breed in Westminster history. Uh, Eric, can you guess what breed is the second winningest breed in Westminster history? Is it the standard poodle? It is the poodle, and then they say in parentheses, all three varieties. So I think they're counting between all of the toys, minis, and standards. The poodle is number two. And interesting, the winningest breed... When it comes to best in show titles is the breed that won this year, which, of course, is the Wire Fox Terrier named Sky. And, of course, it's just an honor to be nominated. It is, really. <laughs> well, it's an honor to go there in the first place. Right. And then certainly to win your breed and then to win your group and then to compete in best in show. There's so many different um uh, categories of or sort of levels of competition where you have to sort of rise to the top to get to e- to even get to the best in show is definitely an honor. Um, so the terrier group is the one is the group that has the most representatives from the group um, that have won, um, which I didn't know. And and can you guess, Eric, which breed this year's largest entry for? Um, for for the breed, what breed of dog had the largest entry in this year for Westminster? Do you mean there was more of them? The most, yeah. Okay. The most representatives from the breed competing at Westminster. And it'll be not a surprise. Not a surprise. Well, I would say Terrier. Nope. No. Poodle, again. Labrador Retriever. Labrador. Yep. Okay. Well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. I got Big that one, one wrong. I got the, the other Poodle one right. You did. Yeah. You did. So I deserve something for that. <clears throat> you do. <laughs> Some kind of credit. If you're interested in, <laughs> you do. Good job. Thank Round you. of applause. Good boy. What's your sound for uh, the, the right choice? There you go. Um, so it's always important to balance positive reinforcement and correction. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I need a little praise over here sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> nice try. Um, so I've posted a link to this if you're interested in more fun facts about the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Uh, This I got from dogchannel.com. I posted a link to it on our Facebook page, and I will also post a link on our website. And when we come back, we'll talk with the author of a children's book, The Chicken and the Dog. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. God loves a terrier. Yes, he does. God loves a terrier. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, 
raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Bothell Feed Center, we cover the world of animals. This week, February 16th, it's the third Sunday of the month, and that means it's a Kevin and Kim Sunday. Always entertaining, Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive host the show for me. No interviews this month, so they'll have open phone lines throughout the show, so Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiance said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. Bringing you fresh perspectives every day. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. They give their love to you. God didn't miss a stitch. Be it dog or be it bitch. When he made the Norwich merrier with its cute little derriere. Yes, God loves a terrier. Welcome back to the dog show with Julie Forbes. Oh, it's like a breath of fresh air to hear that song. I love that movie so much. All right, we are back with a local author, or co-author, I should say, Amanda Maxwell um, and Andre Maxwell are the authors of The Chicken and the Dog, a children's book about chickens and dogs. Amanda, welcome to The Dog Show. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. So um, I read the book, and it's adorable, and the illustrations are also adorable, and the story is really funny because um, there's a... You know, certainly a plot and a story, and um, it's about the dog and the ch- the dog and the chickens, and then their dealings with some um, mischievous raccoons. And uh, you know, it's it's a really cute book. I think I've had a couple children's books in the past that are dog related. It's certainly been a while. Um, is this a book that is you know the dog in the book? Is this is this your dog, or what's the inspiration behind the story? So the inspiration is actually our dog. Um, we have a black lab cow mix named Sean Connery. Oh. <laughs> and so we've had him since he was a puppy, and really, I mean, he's always been kind of a rock star dog. Yeah. And so, um, you know, kind of as we were raising him, we lived in Gig Harbor on the water, so he had a real early few years. He didn't live in the fence. He gets to go swimming every day. Um, and then when he was about four or five, we moved to a new town. We moved down to Olympia. Uh-huh. And 
So we went, to, you know, from no fence to a neighborhood with a fence. And the house that we rented actually came with two chickens. Uh-huh. It was kind of part of the selling point of the house, you know, fresh farm eggs. And we were like, well, we've never done that before. So let's, you know, give it a shot. Yeah. Um, we were being adventurous and as quickly had lots of friends say, you know, your dog is probably going to eat those chickens, right? And we were like, no, Sean Connery is, you know, he's so sweet. He would never do that. <laughs> but we didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of, you know, we introduced him to the chickens and the chickens were like freaked out about the dog. And he was kind of like, what are these chickens? What do I, can I eat them? No. Okay. I get in trouble if I go after the chickens. And Mm -hmm. it ended up that they kind of were, you know, friends in the backyard and Sean would end up, um, kind of relinquishing treats to the chickens and they kind of ended up in the power position. Oh, funny. Yeah. So we, uh. We had a lot of good times just watching them interact in the backyard. Um, and then the, the story came about one night when a group of raccoons actually broke into the coop and stole off with one of the chickens. <gasps> mm. And so the next day, Sean and uh, Clover, Crimson was, we had Crimson and Clover with the chickens and uh, Crimson was taken. Mm. So the next day, my husband went out to kind of clean up the feathers and, you know, just kind of survey the mess um and sean and clover were kind of bumming around the yard you know you could tell that they were really bummed out they were sad Aww. so my mm. husband got this idea like you know we should really turn this into something positive let's write a children's book call it the chicken and the dog and so he texted me this at work and i i instantly when he said the chicken and the dog, i'm like oh that sounds cute we should totally do it and so we we started coming up with the story and the plot and kind of how how can we turn this sad event into something funny and positive Right. Um, so that we can tell our son about, you know, Crimson and Clover the Chickens and their adventures with Sean. Right. It, yeah. And as a children's book, it's not a, a traumatic story that ends similarly to the real life version. But it yeah, does have- it does uh, certainly sort of illuminate the, the trouble that raccoons cause to chickens. Absolutely. It's funny because my neighbor across the street has a black lab mix and she had uh, chickens and uh, they got um, same story, except both the chickens uh, fell victim to uh, raccoons. And um, and she, I mean, Aww. yeah, the dog, I mean, the, the dog and the chickens didn't live in the yard together or anything. But he, it was, you know, she's a black, black dog and chickens. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, this is she got to the point where she she had four chickens. Two of them got taken. So she would bring in the other two at night and they would sleep in the bathtub in like oh, a funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so where is your book now? How long has this book been out? Is it new? Um, we published it in 2012. Um, we actually released it the same week we had our first baby. So it was oh. it's been kind of a few whirlwind years here. Yeah. And, um, so the website is chicken and dot com. And uh, people can check out the book. Now, where is it uh, available for sale if someone's interested in purchasing this book? It is on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and we just released an ebook on iTunes. Oh, great. Yeah. That's excellent. So there's an um, e-version. So uh, I haven't, I'm not an e-book person, but I know that it's uh, definitely a popular thing. Um, yes. So you have a sequel now. Um, because you've had so many requests for a sequel, you've come out with a second book. And is that out now, too, or is that on its way out? It is. 
Um, we released that last year, and that is the great chicken caper. And uh, we kind of expand on the story of the chicken and the dog, and we add some new friends. Uh, our illustrator, Jill Carter, actually added her dog, Cowboy, into the mix. So, <laughs> What kind of dog is Cowboy? Uh, Cowboy is a Sheltie. Mm, cute. A very handsome Sheltie. Of so course. He got, he got to be in the, in the story as well. Nice. Well, very cute. It's um, it's really an adorable story. It's very funny. I mean, the illustrations are great. The storyline is very funny. And um, it's just a cute little kid's book about uh, chickens and, and their dog and those um, those pesky raccoons. Um, and, yeah. you know, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it's an interesting thing because I know actually there's one, the first thing that comes to mind is a woman that I know who's a Labrador breeder who has chickens and the dogs are around the chickens and they're fine. And I know other people who have, you know, a couple chickens in their, in their yard and have a dog and, and they're fine. And then there's also certainly plenty of situations where the dog and the chickens would not get along pretty much based off of probably how high of a prey drive the dog has. There's just kind of an interesting phenomenon that in a lot of cases, Chickens and dogs coexist with no problems at all and even can kind of become buddies or, you know, bond with each other. And then in other situations, there's no way the chickens would just be dead meat. So it's. Well, we, I tell you, we heard and we heard some massacre stories before we moved down with these chickens. <laughs> and so we really weren't sure what to expect. But, yeah. you know, Sean is definitely a loyal dog. And so he really saw that we cared for the chickens and we put a lot into trying to make them happy, you know, with all these new changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of saw us trying to make them happy. And I think he kind of caught on to that, which was, which was good. What a nice boy. He really now, is. Do you still have the, the one surviving chicken? We do have clover, and we added uh, crimson too, and then uh, we added one more chicken. And our one of our Facebook fans named her Miss Moneypenny. Oh, cute! Keeping with our James Bond theme. Yeah, I knew a dachshund named Miss Moneypenny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, little wire-haired dachshund. Um, it's a great name. Yeah. Well, very cute. I wish you guys the best of luck. And I'm sorry, did you say that your sequel is out now, also? Or not yeah, yet. You can get all of the books, um, and we also have the title available in Spanish um, on Amazon, on our website, and Barnes and Noble as well. Okay, so the website again is chickenandthedog.com. Um, I posted a link to it on our Facebook page already, and I will also post a link to it on our website. So if you're driving right now or can't write it down, you can always go to our website for any links and guest info. It's dogradioshow.com. And uh, Amanda, thanks for taking the time with me today, and I wish you guys the best of luck. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me again. All right. All right. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is Julie Forbes, dog training behavior and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, 
thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist www.sensitivedog.com. Hi, I'm Pat Pauly. Tune into my show, Get Active, each Tuesday at 12 noon on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about one of the wonderful activities in the Puget Sound region, ones that you may want to participate in. We'll focus on how adult beginners can comfortably get into all of these activities. You'll learn a lot about how you can get active. Be sure to listen. That's Get Active with me, Pat Pauly, at 12 noon each Tuesday on Alternative Talk 1150. Hi, I'm Martha Childress with the Natural Choice Network. Join us every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Each week, we invite leaders from our sustainable community to share their unique visions and valuable insights. You'll learn great tools to make your life greener, healthier, and more sustainable for generations to come. Thank you for making the natural choice. That's the Natural Choice Network every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Please join us. Hey, Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. Listen live at 1150kknw.com. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. A natural choice, Eric, in songs in honor of Crimson and Clover. Yeah. The original. Clover 1 or Crimson 1. Crimson 1. And uh, now Crimson 2. Now Crimson 2. <laughs> the the chickens that yeah. uh, are friends with... Uh, the, with Sean Connery. Sean Connery the dog, yeah. yeah. Of course, referencing the book, the children's book, we just talked with uh, author Amanda Maxwell in that last segment. The Chicken and the Dog is a cute little children's book. And they have a sequel, too. You can find them online, chickenandthedog.com, and on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and uh, also as an ebook. So go for it if you are looking for a cute children's book. It's really a cute story, and the illustrations are really funny. So um, I have some articles I wanted to mention, and I'm going to post links to the full articles if you'd like to read them in their entirety on our website, dogradioshow.com. And I've also posted some links on our Facebook page. But I first wanted to talk um, about the uh, this theme that I'm seeing in my training business with uh, my clients. I'm working with, and, and I've talked about this topic before, um, but I'm working with quite a few adolescent dogs. And um, adolescent dogs are uh, generally between the age of six months and two years is a uh, dog's period of adolescence. And, uh, you know, some dogs might hit adolescence closer to five months. Um, so there's a, a little bit of a window, but that's generally the 
the sort of age range, six months to two years of age. And uh, there's some, uh, one of the phenomenons of adolescence that can happen to some dogs, it doesn't happen to all of them, but um, certainly can happen to some dogs. And it can give some dogs uh, actually quite a hard time is they, they get this, um, is this phenomenon where they get really sort of spooky about their environment. And that can be about specific things like um, strangers um, where they were fine and very well socialized as puppies. And then right around six months, bam, they just all of a sudden get spooky and, you know, backing away from strangers and, you know, this behavior that people have never seen before. Um, And, you know, and other things as well, not just strangers, but sometimes, um, just objects that are that are new or different and even things that might not even seem spooky. I think some of us can understand why maybe an umbrella or a big hat might look strange to a dog. Um, but sometimes dogs get get what I was taught to, to refer to as the teenage weirds. Um, you know, you have a grocery bag on the ground that that's not usually there in the kitchen and the dog comes in the room and sees it and just gets weirded out and spooked by it and you're like what is there what's your problem <laughs> there's nothing nothing weird going on here but to the dog it is and it's just something that you know I don't know physiologically what's happening um but it's it's not something that the dog you know really has control over and it's something that's really important to know how to work through to help guide the dog through this developmental phase and land them into adulthood uh you know well adjusted and and not reactive to the world because um, you know, this behavior can kind of come about out of nowhere. And if it's not necessarily a result of any particular experience that the dog has had, it's just a function of age. But if the dog has the opportunity to practice these behaviors and is not guided through it in a way that's constructive, those weirded out behaviors can certainly stick into adulthood and through the dog's, you know, the rest of the dog's life, which people certainly do not want. So, um, again, the biggest first thing is is that training and the thought process. So if you have a dog who's going through this, and I talked with um, Lori Marie, um, I, I did a private lesson on the air a few weeks ago, and she has a new um, one-year-old uh, mini Australian Shepherd and who she's recently rescued, and he has some behavioral challenges as a result, partially as a result of his, his past experience. Um, but he also happens to be an adolescent, which isn't, isn't helping the situation for sure. Um, training, first of all, just, you know, basic training, engaging the dog's brain. And when I say basic training, I'm talking about establishing all of those basic commands with your dog, how to walk on a, on a, on a leash with you. Um, this is really important. I'm, I'm surprised by, some of the reactive dogs that come to me for private lessons who maybe are reactive to other dogs on leash or, or people or whatever. And, and these people have taken classes specifically for reactive dogs. And, and yet they've, they've not ever been asked or guided to teach the dog just training wise, how to walk on a loose leash with them to me kind of blows my mind, but, um, but that is the case. So, you know, leash walking, um, sit, wait, stay, leave it, um, you know, come here, just all those basic commands. And what that gives us is a way to engage the dog's brain. 
which is so key for reactive behavior. Because if a dog is really truly reacting to something, it's not a thought process, it's a reaction. And it's not something that they can necessarily help. Um, so really helping guide them. I'm working with this little uh, Shiba Inu right now, which is a little Japanese breed. They look like um, foxes. They are adorable. Uh, not the easiest dogs. Uh, certainly best uh, do well with experienced dog owners. They tend to be a little aloof and independent. Um, now, is that one of those cross breeds like the uh, Snickerdoodle or whatever? It, <laughs> no. It's part emu? Is that what you said? No. Shiba Inu. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Inu is dog in Japanese. Okay. So, yeah. No, it's not like a Labradoodle or something like that. I was going to say, part yeah, emu would be pretty tall. No. <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah. No, they're, 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 they are their own breed, and they are um, AKC recognized, and they're from Japan. And uh, there's quite a few of them in Seattle, and I've, I've worked with quite a few of them. I love the breed. They're, they're, they can be tough, but they're fun. I like them. They're different. And uh, she's, she's, you know, similar, reactive, and she's reactive to, you know, cars and lights and sounds, and, and um, you know, they, they live in downtown Bellevue, and, and she's doing so much better now, and, and we have some more work for them to do with her to, to help guide her through, because this is a process, it's not something that can just be resolved in, you know, two weeks generally, but... Um, but in that amount of time, we've been able to make a lot of progress with her and really the focus and the place to start was just really getting that training nice and solid. And then in addition to having those tools, so you can view your training and your commands as like the tools in your toolbox and you want them working very well for you. Um, also to be, you know, it's, it's sort of surprising to me how I think, I don't know, unclear people are, or I don't know, maybe the industry or something, but just about, you know, how important it is to, to be sensitive to the dog's experience. So as you are, you know, working a dog, you know, for example, uh, this, this Shiba Inu that I'm working with, you know, as we're getting her out, we've, we've got some real solid training in her that's built her confidence and of course, when I'm working with a dog, I want them always to feel good about the work that they're doing for me. So, you know, the point is that it's um, that you have a way to engage their brain and you have a way to put structure in place, um, but that it's done in a way that they feel really good about. And then just being really sensitive to their experience and really trying to set set them up for success. I mean, so I think people have a mis, uh, little misunderstanding about socialization where I'm going to socialize my dog and take my dog who's terrified of other dogs to the dog park so that the dog gets socialized. And it's like, well, if every time you go to the dog park, the dog is just terrified. It's not necessarily going to get them through that. If anything, it might just be reinforcing that the dog park is a scary place. And, you know, so just being really mindful about the quality of the interaction, not just the fact that there is an interaction. For socializing with other dogs, I actually don't recommend dog parks. I recommend that people give their dog an opportunity to develop relationships with other dogs because that's really socializing. That's who we socialize with is people we have relationships with. So um, so it's just important to be really sensitive to the dog's experience and to really take care of their experience as best we can as we're setting them up and practicing putting them into situations where they're not comfortable we're wanting to 
um, have those repetitions be, yes, challenging and yes, to a degree stressful, but also constructive and productive and and done in a way where we are just totally rooting them on and their biggest cheerleader and and then you know when you when you're walking away from the situation after they've been able to successfully even just do run through a few of their basic commands in the presence of something that makes them nervous that can be a big deal for dogs at first and just letting them know you know I think I have had dogs respond so well to when I make a big deal about how proud I am of them and how brave they are and oh isn't that such a good sit oh you're so brave and you know all this stuff and they get that and and they're really motivated by that and it makes them feel good. So just to be sensitive to that as you're working through stuff. And I don't know, this theme of dogs going through their adolescent months or um, so it's about a year and a half where they're adolescent and the teenage weird phase is generally earlier in the adolescent, earlier in adolescence generally. So I see it mostly with dogs between six months and a year and a half and even more so, um, on the earlier side, even six months to like a year and a few months um, is generally, but it can last longer. I mean, just to be aware, you know, dogs have their developmental stages, puppyhood, and then right around six months, the puppy teeth fall out and um, they get their adult teeth in. Then they, then you have adolescence and a lot of people see behaviors their dog never did before um, just as a function of age. So, you know, being appreciative of all the different factors that are impacting our dog's behavior as we may be trying to resolve behavioral challenges. And if you are needing professional guidance with your dog, um, if you live in Seattle area, um, I'm available for private lessons. My website is sensitivedog.com. That's sensitivedog.com. You can find me there. Um, and then if you are not in the area, but you would still like my guidance, we can set up a phone consult or even a Skype um, consultation. Um, I've worked with enough dogs over the years that um, oftentimes I don't have to see the dog. Sometimes I do, but oftentimes I don't actually have to be in the physical presence of the dog to kind of understand what's going on and at least give some helpful guidance. So um, sensitivedog.com is my website. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to just highlight some interesting articles that I found about dogs from sciencedaily.com. And I've got links posted to these articles on our website, dogradioshow.com. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Terriers are my very favorite breed. They're cute and cuddly, easy dogs to feed. They'll help bring you up whenever you are down. Terriers average 20 pounds. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. 
This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Bothell Feed Center, we cover the world of animals. This week, February 16th, it's the third Sunday of the month, and that means it's a Kevin and Kim Sunday. Always entertaining, Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive host the show for me. No interviews this month, so they'll have open phone lines throughout the show, so Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Hey Seattle, this is Julie Forbes. When I got engaged a couple of years ago, one of the first things my fiancé said about our wedding was, we need a wedding planner. I thought to myself, what do we need a wedding planner for? We hired Jenny Harding and New Chapter Weddings, and I now know there is no way we could have done it without her. If you are planning a wedding or corporate event, do yourself a favor and hire New Chapter Wedding and Event Planning. They did an amazing job for us, and they will for you. Find them online at newchapterweddings.com. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist, and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com Radio with no added hormones or preservatives. All natural alternative talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Before I talk about the articles that I've promised to talk about, I do have to say that... uh, I was at the Seattle Seahawks celebration parade last week. Uh, 850,000 people, they estimate, showed up in Seattle. And I don't this know. This number keeps growing every time I hear it. I don't know. That's <laughs> the highest that's I've heard. Yeah. That's the yeah. highest. I don't know how everybody got down there because we live just south of Seattle on Beacon Hill. And right. we went to our light rail station and it was just full trains going by. So we rode it south to SeaTac mm. and then north just to get into the stadium. And then we just walked home. But I just have to say, you know, I saw people down there with their dogs. And I was like, what are you doing bringing your dog down here? <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. You know, 850,000 people. I mean, it's just I think it's a lot to ask for even the even the most well-socialized dog. I mean, they're very sensitive to to the environment and to energy and it was just kind of crazy and you know I could see that they were stressed out and stress panting and like you know trying to avoid getting trampled and you know I was just like oh wait you, you know that would have been stressful for me to be in that yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine a dog Ugh. yeah so just be be sensitive to your dog please about those types of things because um what might seem to a good a good idea to you might not be your dog's favorite idea so um so there's some interesting articles i like um looking at stories or interesting articles especially science related because i love my science um and i've posted links to all these articles i'm certainly not going to be able to get into all of them um in depth uh but you can look at them in depth um they all the links are on our website which is dogradioshow.com 
So this one that I love is a, a fitness study that pairs dogs with seniors. And uh, there were these um, so people who, let's see, this is in, I think it was in Florida. Yeah, someone through the uh, Florida State University. This is from ScienceDaily.com. Designed an exercise program um, that had dogs participating in the exercise class with this group of senior citizens. So, um, like, not only were the dogs there and people were able to pet the dogs and talk to the dogs, which, of course, has its own therapeutic value. I mean, there's a lot, a large body of people all over the country and and probably the world who take therapy dogs to facilities where senior citizens live and just how therapeutic it is. A lot of these folks, you know, lived with dogs all their lives and and can't have a dog now and, and how wonderful it is for them to have the opportunity to visit with a dog and get their hands on a dog and um, and just how beneficial that is. So not only were the dogs there and, you know, people can pet the dogs and talk to the dogs, but so cute. They were they had the um, dogs trained. Um, uh, so let's see, they were uh, walking this exercise program where they would walk around the room and do um, biceps curls with light dumbbells um, and uh, resistant band stretching, you know, for the seniors. And so when the group working with dogs lift their dumbbells, um, one of the dog picks up a plastic one. And then when the seniors walk around the room, the dogs walk with them in circles too. So it's almost like the dogs are doing the exercise class with the seniors. And how cute is that? And um, some of the pe- some of the residents who participated um, said things like, "quote Exercise classes are not something I call fun, but with dogs, it is fun." So, um, you know, this is a woman who acknowledged that um, the dog component convinced her and her husband to sign up in the first place and to get them to the exercise class in the first place. So that alone is an added benefit, just to you know, get people to even show up to the exercise class, let alone add more value to the exercise class. Um, you know, these this um, couple had um, three dogs over the course of their marriage. And uh, she said when when she heard it was an exercise class with dogs, that that definitely piqued her interest. And um, and so the idea came from this person who's who's initially had a therapy dog and um, who would visit with seniors, but uh, they wanted to see if it would enhance the exercise, um, you know, to actually design an actual workout program incorporating dogs and, you know, acknowledging how exercise is so important, especially as people get older and lose their ability to do all the things that they used to take for granted. So um, just a really cute, they have, you know, there's more to to this article. And like I said, I've posted a link to it on um, our homepage and I'll probably post a link to this one on our Facebook page too and um, our homepage is dogradioshow.com just a really cute story there was a uh, also a different article which I have a link to also posted on dogradioshow.com uh, about the doggy paddle uh, an ev- evolutionary look at swimming and um, you know how dogs do the dog paddle and there's kind of some video footage to it, but it was basically um, basically that when dogs are doing the doggy paddle, it is a, a very similar 
movement fundamentally to them trotting. And so they're basically, you know, moving. And this was what you said earlier, Eric, about, you know, is this the preferred stroke of dogs? And, you know, it's (laughs) the only stroke that I'm familiar with that any breed of dog will do is this, you know, sort of uniform doggy paddle, essentially. Right, right. Um, But that it is actually the fundamentally the same as their trot it's just that the movements are a little bit more exaggerated hmm. um well it is effective we got to hand it, it to sure them. is they effective figured it out. yeah and um unless yeah i mean my little dachshund she loves to swim but um, she's not very good at it hmm. she's like a rolling log in the water <laughs> does she have the little wings and no. you put those on her no if she had a if she had a life even a life jacket just doesn't i mean you know she's not much of a swimmer but she has right. swam in her past and just her body just kind of sinks because her legs are so. I bet her bun short. gets soggy too. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Weighs her down. She's a wiener dog. Yeah, um, but it's funny because when we pick her up out of the water, her her legs still sort of flip like as if she's still swimming, <laughs> still doing the paddle. Yeah. So, I don't. You know, it's just funny how there's all there's such this growing body of research around dogs, just in general. I mean, there's all this research being done about how dogs think and dog cognition and 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 dog behavior there's this um article uh about walking dog a group of dogs who have the same human um where they used a high resolution gps harnesses to track the movements of six dogs and their owner across 14 30 to 40 minute walks off the leash and uh, they say that the dog's movements were measurably influenced by underlying social hierarchies. And I don't know. It's like, I think that these studies are really interesting. You know, that they now have this data that tracks how the dog's movements and all that kind of stuff. And then they kind of state some things that I think everybody sort of already knows. Also, like, you know, the dogs that are more dominant tended to lead the pack and had dogs following them. And it's like, well, yeah, that kind of <laughs> makes sense. And that those dogs were, you know, not as easy to train because they're just more independent. Um, one of the things, though, about that one in particular that I thought was very interested interesting was that they basically studied, like, how in a group of six dogs over the course of 14 walks off-leash, they they just tracked the movement of each individual dog and then looked at the movement and related it to the dog's dominance. And um, I thought something that was interesting was that the dogs that did typically lead more and had more dogs follow them, they didn't do anything to get the dogs to follow them. They just did. So it was sort of an interesting insight into into leadership. And we could go on and on and on and on about that and you know, true power is without force and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know. That's interesting. So I am posting all of these articles on our website. You can check them all out in their entirety, dogradioshow.com. Um, next week, Eric, five years. Wow. Yeah. And guess who I'm having on the show? Dr. Michael Fox. All right. Good to have Dr. Fox. Yeah. Back. One of my favorite all-time guests. I've had him on a few times. He's wonderful. We are going to be talking about chemical flea medication and uh, some new developments with that. Definitely don't want to miss this, and you just never want to miss Dr. Fox. And it's our five-year anniversary. So we'll see you next Wednesday live from 2 to 3 p.m. here on Alternative Talk AM 1150. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. Julie Forbes.